0: Welcome to the Marian Message, presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week, we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows, Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. So turning your us to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm back in Hebrews. You know, I told everybody I was going to finish up Hebrews by the 1st of November, and whatever. I doubt I'm going to do that. So what I'm going to do is once we get to the first of November, I've got a series that I'm heading up in November and December, sort of the holiday stuff. When we get to January, wherever I stop on Sunday nights, I'm going to finish preaching through um, Hebrews there on Sunday nights. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Next year, get into next year, I'm going to be preaching through the book of Deuteronomy. So be praying. I'm not going to preach the entire book. I'm going to pull out probably about 25 sermons to preach throughout the year on Deuteronomy, so be praying for that. Um, All right, so let's stand at the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11. Everybody knows this. It's the Faith Hall of Fame. Um, It's just a powerful, so I want to be able to take our time and and slowly move through this. If you're a, a wanter, desirer, a lover of expository preaching, and I mean straight up verse by verse, You're in the right place today. These three verses, I'm going to just expositorily, that's a word, work through these first three verses, and I'm going to do it almost word by word, definitely verse by verse, and break all that down. Now, faith is, you know, you can't have, faith can never be a past tense word. Unless you're just speaking of the faith that you showed at that moment. You cannot say, I had faith, but now I don't. No, you never had faith. You had an emotion. And it's a difference. Faith is a present tense word that we need more of today. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Father, in the name of Jesus, help strengthen, stretch, and grow our faith. But first, let us have faith. And we prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. What I want to do today is you, some might say, well, you've got five points. I, I think I just have five sentences and five statements, and then I'm going to back those up through a bunch of other scriptures, and we're going to get through this as we set the tone for the coming weeks about this entire chapter. We talk about Abel and Enoch and Noah and all those great heroes of the faith. And, and just so FYI, some of you will say, well, they're just heroes of the faith, and those are guys that are just above and beyond what we can be. Can I just tell you this? They were nothing more than dudes and dudettes just like us that had faith. We need some heroes of today to have faith like these guys that are just willing to say, this is what I believe and I stand on it, no matter what may come. So let's look at it. Number one, faith is the conviction of certainty. Faith is the conviction of certainty. It's found there in the very first part there where it says, now faith is the assurance. That's that word right there. The assurance of things hoped for. Now it's not a a hope so hope. It's a hope based on knowledge. It's a hope based on fact. It's a a no so hope. I'm telling you this right now. And all of this verse really creates and talks about creation in heaven, I believe. I'm telling you today, I know heaven is real. I didn't need no little child to write a book about heaven being real. And I don't need somebody to come back from heaven giving to, oh, the things I've seen. I don't need all of that. Here's all I need. This book and faith. If my, if my faith is based on some kid coming back writing a book or some person saying they went there and had an experience and coming back, I'm worried about that faith. My faith is innate. It's inside of me, and it's based upon biblical truth. And people will say all the time, well, y'all Christians have blind faith. No, we don't. I have a faith full of biblical, historical, actual events that have been recorded and are known to be true. That's what my faith is built on. And nothing else. I think one, one man wrote it, said it this way, faith gives substance To the unseen realities. Preacher, have you ever seen heaven? No, I have not. But I know there's a heaven. Uh, Preacher, have you ever seen Jesus himself? No, but I've seen people be his hands and feet. But I've never seen him. Have you ever seen an angel? Nope. Isn't it amazing? People that will say they don't believe in God, this just hit me just now. They'll say they believe in angels, but they won't believe in God. How crazy is that? Faith is living in a hope that is absolutely for real. Flipping your Bibles to John chapter 20. You'll know the story when you get there. John chapter 20. Jesus has been crucified He's risen on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And he's shown himself to his disciples. Except for one, he wasn't there, Thomas. So we're going to pick up our reading at verse 24 of chapter 20. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Boy, this is a trusting guy, wasn't he? But he said, unless I see his hands... In his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. By the way, I don't have time to unpack that, but if we're like Jesus in our glorified bodies, doors will be nothing that we have to open. We'll just walk through them. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? And hear this, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There is coming a day, when, and I'll talk about this in a minute, that we won't walk by faith. We will walk by sight, but it's not today. Today is the day that we walk by faith and not by sight. And the question is not, is, can you give lip service to your faith? The truth of the matter is, can you give life service to your faith? Does your, does your life live out the fact that no matter what the winds of politics are, or the winds of what your friends say and believe. Where is your faith grounded? Is it grounded in the word of God that tells us everything we need to know about life? As I'm thinking about this conviction of certainty, I think about those three boys in the fire. Now turn over to Daniel chapter 3. The, the, in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel chapter 3. And I, I, I love this story. Anytime I can use it to nail home a point, I want to use it because it's so powerful and true. You know the story, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon had come and taken away all the best and the brightest and took, took them, tooken, taken them back um, to Babylon, and he's given them new names, and he's given them everything. And they've become, Daniel and his three buddies have become sort of up in, in, his, um, in Nebuchadnezzar's um, group there, and but now they're out on the plains of Shinar. People say there's probably over a million people out there. And built himself this golden image. And he says, whenever you hear the harp and the lyre and all that stuff, you're going to fall down and worship my statue. Can I imagine that? Over a million people out there. They begin to strum it up, man. The praise team starts playing. Everybody falls. Three old boys stand there and look around. So they go and they tell Nebuchadnezzar what happened and he comes running and he says, guys, I don't know that you heard the the edict. I don't know that you heard my resolution. I don't know that you heard we passed this law, but when you hear that music, buddy, you guys got to bow down. We heard you. I'm going to give you a second chance, boys. All right, we're going to strike up the band one more time. Here we go. A one, then a two, and a hit it, and everybody falls down except for them three old boys. Old boy Nebuchadnezzar got furious. He said, heat that place seven times hotter. Just a regular burning is not good enough. We're going to really cook them. Pick up our reading. Verse sixteen is he there talking? Old oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer, said to the king, "O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able." I don't have a clue what valley all of you are going through. Sorry, Tara. I don't know what valleys all of you guys are going through, but I can tell you this: I can look you dead in your face and say these words. Our God is able. It doesn't doesn't matter the deepness of it. It could be as deep as the deepest point of the ocean. I want to tell you something today. I want you to place your faith right here. Our God is able. Preacher, I can't see the light of day. I feel like I'm drowning in this. I've never been in one so dark. Hey, listen. Our God is able. You may not know when, and you may not know where, and you may not know how, and you may not understand nothing about nothing, but you ought to understand this, God is able. He's about to throw these three boys into the fiery furnace, and here they go in, and they say this, our God is able, listen what they said, to deliver us. Excuse me, come again? You, you, you understand that I'm about to make this thing seven times hotter, that it is nothing but fire. Now, I don't know the last time y'all worked with fire. Jay was telling me about somebody driving a Lamborghini yesterday in a cornfield and he caught up in fire. Fire burns, y'all all right? Fire is hot, y'all all right? He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Oh, here's the faith. You ought to write it. You ought to... It is literally highlighted and circled in my Bible. But if not, you see, my faith and the goodness of God doesn't rest upon him answering all my wants and needs and desires like I want them. See, you don't get a lot of people amen that. His goodness doesn't reside on him answering your prayer requests like you want them answered. He's no no less God if he answered like he wants to. See, they said, listen, he can deliver us. And then they said, but listen, just in case he don't, I want you to understand this. But if not, let it be known that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Because their faith was strong. So he snatches him. he gets them mad, he throws them in there, and then in verse 24, then he's astounded and rose up in haste. He declared, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They said, oh, true, O king. He said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Can I tell you this? There's going to be a day when I die from this old world, and I'll be walking on the streets of gold, falling at the feet of a savior. I'm just as sure of that as I am that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved through the fire. There's got to be a certainty to your life. When you're a believer in Jesus, quit being so stinking wishy-washy. When things go bad, your faith falters. What kind of faith is that? The writer in the the epistle of James, he said, if your faith is like that, God's not going to answer you. You ought to just stand up in the midst of your trials and in the midst of your values and say, listen, I know my God is able, even if he don't answer like I want him to, he's still God and on the throne. Faith is the conviction of certainty. Number two, faith is the confession of the coming. So back in Hebrews chapter 11, that was the first part. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's a certainty hope. Listen, second part, the conviction of things not seen. One day we'll walk, not by faith but by sight. There's coming a day. I was on the way here this morning, early this morning, and, and I, Jeremy Cant was on There's Coming a Day. You guys have heard that song Or oh, There Will Be a Day. And I, I, listen, it's one of my favorite songs, contemporary Christian songs of all time. I mean, I love that song. I play it all the time. It's on my phone. Any little thing, I play that song. I heard part of it today that I've never heard. It says this, there'll be no more tears. Catch this, and right after that, you guys go listen to it today. There'll be no more faith. You don't need faith when you're looking at the Savior eye to eye. You don't need no faith. Then why do I need faith in anything I can hold in my hands? I don't need, I don't say, well, I believe out there, there's somewhere's in the Bible. No, I know there are things called Bibles because I can see it. But I'm telling you, heaven's coming one day and it's real. You may give me some examples. I'll give you some examples. I don't ever see, I'm looking at, are y'all looking at me? Are y'all watching? Some of y'all watching my mouth? Bless your hearts if you are. Coming out of my mouth as I speak, there are these things called sound waves. Some of it goes quick by right there. Some of it goes out there. Anybody see them coming out of my mouth? That would have been a good one because that would have been going. You don't see them, but you hear them. Hello? From, from that light, there are, there are, give me the next one. There, we don't see the, the, the color waves, but you see color. We'll place our faith in all those things, but then say, well, I can't see Jesus, so I don't believe in him. You, you realize you have faith in a lot of things? You got faith in that pew right there. You flopped your big butt down right there and didn't even question it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Some of you, that's all you gonna remember today, is I said you got a big butt. Can I make this statement to you? And then some of you just started your diet just because I said that. I know some of you are going, nope, I'm dieting right now. The preacher just said it. I'm dieting. Romans chapter 1. If you were here Wednesday night, you would have heard I I got permission from Bruce to to use some of what he said Wednesday night right here real quick. In Romans chapter 1 and starting at verse... Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, whom by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Understand, did you catch that? What can be known about God is plain. Translated, he's written it in the sky. I hear people say all the time, well, I'll get saved if God will write it in the sky. I'm like, well, it's about time to get on your knees, bro, because he's written it everywhere. He's written it in the sky. He's written it in the dirt. He's written it in your heart. He's written it on your head. He's written it in the trees. He's written it on the birds. He's written it in the fish. He's written it in the water. He's written it across the air. He's written it everywhere. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, keep on reading. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. So that in this, here's what we need to understand about creation and about this. And I'm going to go somewhere with this creation thing in just a few minutes. Something exists because of one of two things. Number one, it's a necessary being. In other words, it doesn't need no help. It's dependent upon nothing. Nothing adds to it, takes away from it. It's just there, and that's how it always would be. It's called a necessary being. The other thing is called a contingent being. That's dependent upon something else. Something had to bring this thing into being. So if we're looking at that, and this is a, 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 some kind of argument, I don't know, a big $5 churchy word that I, I never learned um, Here's what it says. The necessary being is God. You don't add nothing to God. God don't ever get more. You ever notice that God is God. He's never going to learn nothing. He's never going to forget nothing. He's never going to change. He's never going to do nothing. He's God. He is the necessary being. See, for something to come into existence, there had to be something that put it into existence. Hello? I'm just so dumb. I know that deep inside my brain. You can't have nothing if something don't bring it into being. Okay. And the contingent is everything else that God brought into being. Y'all hold on to that thought just a little bit because I'm going to deal with that a little bit more in depth. But so I was thinking about this point of this, the confession of something coming, and I was like, is there a biblical truth? You guys ever thought about Noah? Now I want you to think about something. Everything's evil on the world, except for good old Noah. And God moves and God says, Listen, Noah, I'm about to bring this thing called rain. Noah's like, what's rain? At that time, waters, plants watered themselves from the dust of the earth. There was a mist that would come up and water themselves. And there was this big canopy of water that sort of kept the UV lights out, most things, all that stuff. And so he God says, I'm going to destroy the world by rain and by water. I want you to build an ark in the middle of the desert. So here he begins, him and his family. Can you imagine all the townsfolk around there? Hey, man, you going down to the dude drop in today? Heck no, it's boring at that bar. I'm going down to watch that idiot Noah. And so it's gathered around and maybe that man, you know, old dudes, you know how old guys are. Romeos, retired old men eating out, how they want to gather and talk foolishness. And they're there going, hey, Noah, you missed one there. Noah, put some more pitch right over there, man. You, yeah, it's going to do this thing called rain, ain't it? Hey, Noah, what you done? Throwing empty liquor bottles at him. Whole time, Noah's going, guys, God spoke to me. Hey. I'm building this for you too. Every swipe of that paintbrush was a testimony to the coming rain. Every ounce of pitch, by the word, the Hebrew word for pitch is atonement. Same word. Was a proclamation of what was to come. and yet nobody got on the boat. 120 years, seven converts, his wife and kids and their wives. I wonder what they thought. I wonder what happened first. On that day, you know, God said to shut him up in the ark. They didn't shut the door. God shut the door. And seven days they live in there. And I wonder what happened first. I wonder if the the earth was just sort of watering itself and then all of a sudden it just broke loose. We know the the fountains of the deep opened up. I wonder if that that canopy of water, if that just broke loose all at once and fell down. Or I wonder. There was just one raindrop. That hit somebody. Here's what I know the earth was covered with water. And I can promise you that when it started to rain, Noah, Noah, let us in. Every time somebody dies, it's a confession of the coming of heaven and Jesus. Because when we ate of the forbidden fruit, whatever it was, we began to die. So every time you go to a funeral, it tells you that there's a coming day when you're going to be right there. And your destiny is made when you draw your last breath. that's the confession of the coming. Let me give you number 3. That's the faith is the confirmation of our claims. How do you live? Listen, it goes on I don't you I'm working right through it. So verse 2 now says this. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Your, your life and the way you live your life, not your lip service, your life service. I love that statement. Your life service backs up what you admit to, backs up what you claim. And if your words and your life don't match up, then one of them's wrong, probably your lips. Notice all the by faith in the rest of this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more, sacri- Abel, more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch uh, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he's called to go out. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up. By faith, Jacob, da, da, da. by faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, by faith, by faith. And the Bible says there in, in Romans chapter 4, we'll turn there real quick talking about Abraham. Uh, go to Romans chapter 4 real quick. This is why it's so important. What shall we say then was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That word, accounted to him, is, is put to one's account. In other words, are you putting anything in your saving faith account? Are you sending anything on ahead? Is God looking at your life and not your works? but are you believing and trusting in God? Not when the times are good, when the times are bad. Are you still trusting God or are you turning away saying, I don't believe in you because you didn't answer this? How many people do we read? They say things like this. Ted Turner says he's not a Christian because when he was a teenage boy, his sister was dying of cancer and he prayed that God would heal her and God never did. So, because God did not heal his sister, he refuses to believe in God. How idiotic. God is not meant dependent on answering your little every whim and every little want, He is God. And by the way, if that little girl, six years old, she was under the age of she'd given her life, he did heal her, the greatest healing ever. Now, to one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Saving faith implies works. After faith, you ought to work for the kingdom of God. Yesterday, I hope y'all were working not to be seen or get a pat on the back or some message from your pastor late late last night afterwards, but you were working for the kingdom of God. Was it hot yesterday? Absolutely. I told you my ears are burnt. But was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Number four, the faith is the comprehension of creation. Now I'm going to tell you about some smart people right here that may be the dumbest people on the face of the earth. I'd what I just said. They get so smart, they dumb. Make sure we're being a very good expositor here. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Now, some of you guys, y'all are y'all are into powerlifting and you working out and you buff and you walk around like that. Y'all are wimps. I mean, you ain't got nothing. You want to impress Hank? Say, "Light be, and light come about." That's power. That's power. When God, when there was nothing, just says, "Light be," and there's light. That's power. And creates everything else by the word of his mouth. Oh, except for you and I. He did get his hands dirty with us. Matter of fact, he got his hands dirty for us twice. Once to create us and the second time to save us. Oh, that's a good word. So, so since we're talking about creation, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Go, back, go all the way back to the beginning. See, it's important. Now... I know some of you guys are school teachers here. God bless you. I love you. And I know you don't teach this way. And I know that. But the whole public system is nothing but human relativism teaching you to be your own God and to teach you that there's no such thing as God. They teach evolution but won't speak about creation. But I'm going to give you some ammunition, okay? So you teachers, I know specifically one. I'm looking at my cousin over. I'm going to give you some ammunition, okay? Uh, I got you. You hang with me today. Here's what the Bible says: For In the beginning, God. By the way, that word God there is Elohim. It means multiple. in the In the usage of this, is a singular usage, but the word in Hebrew is a plural word. That means it's three yet one. And then it says created. The word created there is bara, b a r a. It means not made but created. In other words, there was nothing, and He created it all from nothing. I'm not impressed if you can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and you can put it all together. No God. didn't didn't do that God just says there's nothing and I think I'm gonna make a donkey I think I'm gonna make this son and by the way I'm gonna write it in scripture that I'm gonna hang it on nothing and I'm gonna tell it to stay there and it's never gonna move I'm going to create the ice caps up there in Antarctica and down there below, and I'm going to make it so there's this stream of stuff going around. And by the way, <clears throat> I know this ought to get some people goats. Y'all ought to be excited. Preacher, do you believe in climate change? The only climate change I believe in is at the end of all time when God cleanses everything by fire. That's when this place will burn up, not before. See, because I know that God has got his hands on the thermostat. It's been throughout history. Sometimes it gets a little warmer. Sometimes it gets a little cooler. You can live in Virginia, and in one day it goes warm and cool. Either way. So anyway, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it, not one bit. So he created that. And by the way, he made it ex nihilo, out of nothing. Remember what I said just a minute ago? That he's a necessary being. If you're God, you don't need nobody to add nothing to you. He don't have to work with nothing. Now, you know, there are some people that want to talk about evolution. And by the way, evolution is not a scientific theory. Let me tell you what evolution is. It's a religion. You've got to buy in lock, stock, and barrel or else. But evolution is not true. Period. Listen. I don't know about you. I didn't come out of no sludge like a little, like a little uh, tadpole. Can you just it? And then I just hop out. You know, I try to be a little more reserved when I preach. Y'all, I just can't. That's just not me. But that's what they want you to think is there was this big old ooze of sludge and then all of a sudden this little thing that was up in it goes whoop and then it started walking like this and then it's a frog and then it's a this and then it's a that and then it's a that and it keeps on and keeps on. I just ask simply this, where are the bones and the fossils of those things that were the in-between? His name is Dr. George Wald, W-A-L-D. He is a professor emeritus of biology at Harvard University. Just to add a little more oomph to this, he is a Nobel Prize winner in biology. Y'all hear these sound waves. There are only two possibilities as to how life arose. One is spontaneous generation arising to evolution. The other is a supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. Spontaneous generation that life arose from non-living matter was scientifically disproved 120 years ago by Louis Pasteur and others. That leaves us with the only possible conclusion that life arose as a supernatural creative act of God. Bam! Bam! Wait a minute, this dude's so smart, he's dumb. I choose, oh wait a minute, I will not accept that philosophically because I know it is, wait a minute, I, I'm so excited. I choose, I will not, I keep getting my lines mixed up. I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe and that which I know is scientifically impossible. We have a word down south for that. <laughs> Idiot. Let me give you no one. One scientist, he made one very simple quote. Of course we can't prove there isn't a God. Here's another good one. This one spoke about this. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs. In spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated commitment to materialism. That's a worldview, materialism, by the way. We are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and set of concepts that produce material explanations no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that, material is, that materialism is absolute for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. That was another guy from Harvard, Richard Lewontin. Let me give you the last one. This was a fascinatingly honest admission by a physicist that indicates the passionate commitment of establishment scientists to naturalism. Another worldview. Speaking of the trust students place in their highly educated college professors, he says this, and I use that trust to effectively brainwash them. Our teaching methods are primarily those of propaganda. We appeal without demonstration to evidence that supports our position. We only introduce arguments and evidence that supports the currently accepted theories and we omit or gloss over any evidence to the contrary. Mamas, daddies, you better be aware of what's being taught. See, some will say in high school, I say high school and college. You're going to let your child sit under that mess and yet not bring your child into a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ that tells them that it's creationism and not evolution. You have lost your mind too. We teach creationism here. I preach it, we teach it. Why you will not bring your kids to Glow Kids, the summer program, our youth group, and preaching and make church a priority, I'll never understand it, yet you'll send them off every day and not wonder what they're being taught. Now, our teachers here at Marion that teach in public school and principals, hey, I know where y'all's heart are but you also can't get out of that that that's being taught and I worked at a school where that mess was being taught lastly and I'm done almost right on time faith is a conviction of certainty faith is a confession of the coming faith is a confirmation of our claims faith is the comprehension of creation that it was by God ex nihilo and then lastly, faith is the conviction of certainty. You're probably going, wait, that was number one. Yep, and it's also number five. As it ends it, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith is the engine for this life. Faith is the engine for this life. You want to live for God and you want to work for God and you want to go to heaven when you die and you want to be found among those heroes of the faith is very simple. You don't work for that, but you work from that. The very first thing you've got to do is place your faith in a man named Jesus. And then that man named Jesus, he'll change your life. Preacher, I I don't have enough faith. See, some of us want to be like the disciples. They went running to Jesus one day and they said, Jesus, increase our faith. Here's the truth. You don't need more faith. You have enough. You need your faith stretched. You need your faith used. See, the problem with some of you, you keep saying, I want that. You've never done the first step to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're never going to live a life of faith until you give a life of submission and servanthood. Man, my Sunday school teacher today, he brought it. Matter of fact, he brought it so good in Sunday school, I've already told him to work on that, and he's going to preach it one Sunday about being a servant. Until you put yourself under the lordship of Jesus. See, we've been to Calvary for pardon, But we've never been to Pentecost for power. I wonder how many of you here today have ever admitted deep in your heart and soul that you're a sinner. That you're not perfect. And you said, preacher, I really want to go to heaven. I really want to have this life of faith. But preacher, I'm a sinner. Good, you came to the right place. Because in the midst of understanding and acknowledging your sin... You believe in Jesus. Believe in everything the Bible says. He was God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He's always been. And then he was heaven sent one day. And he came and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And then he went to a cross and he died for my sins and your sins. He paid our penalty that we could never pay on Calvary. Then he rose again on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can't live that life of faith until you get some faith from Jesus. And he'll make you a new creation. I wonder if anybody here today would say that to Jesus I know I'm a sinner. I believe in you, Jesus. I give my life to you and make that public. Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.